Good morning, church. It is so good to uh, get to be with you on Christmas Day. It's, uh, it's always a little nerve-wracking when Christmas falls on a Sunday because you never know if we're going to be here by ourselves or if, if everybody's going to show up. And so it's good that you guys chose to come and to be with us and uh, just appreciate uh, you taking time uh, to bring your family and to come and to celebrate Christ, which is really what Christmas is all about. Uh, most of us have been in church uh, a long time, and we've heard the Christmas story over and over and over. And, and I told Dalton, I really struggle with these seasonal messages because it's, it's one of those things where you don't want to put people to sleep and you don't want to tell the same story over and over and again, but yet the gospel never grows old. And it's one that, that is always um, something that is fresh and, and good for us. And so I know that you, you know the story of the angel appearing to, to Mary, uh, announcing to her that she would uh, conceive a child by the Holy Spirit, that she would give birth. Uh, and that she was to name that child Jesus. The angel then appears to Joseph and tells Joseph that uh, he doesn't need to be afraid to take Mary to be his wife because what is conceived in her uh, is of the Holy Spirit. And, and I know that you're aware of, of all those dynamics. You know about the trip to Bethlehem. You know about the, the baby child being born in a manger. And, and, and again, this story is something that we can hear so many times that it just, you, you kind of go, okay, he's telling the same story. I'm just going to check out and, uh, and we'll be done here in a minute. Uh, I want to fill in some of the gaps, though, and I want you to think about what must have been like for this young teenager named Mary to um, find herself pregnant in a day and a time when um, marriage outside of wedlock was a, a very serious crime. It was something that could have her stoned, could have her put to death, um, and, and yet she finds herself there. And as we'll see today, as we look in the book of Luke at her story, uh, her response to the announcement of the angel is, is, uh, is just one that kind of blows me away for a young teenage girl. In Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 38, uh, Mary says this as the angel announces to her what's about to happen. She says, uh, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord, and let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. She was a girl who was willing to be used by God, one who was striving to, to, to do what God had called her to do. She had no idea that she was going to be chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. Uh, I, I can't even fathom what that must have been like to know that you're going to give birth to the, the Son of God, that you're going to raise this perfect child who will grow up and, and then um, will save his people from their sin. And so we know all of these stories. We know about the, the, the surroundings of the, 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 the birth, that there was no room in the inn, that they went out into this stable and that Jesus was born there with no one surrounding and no one aware of what was going on except for a few angels that uh, were there that announced to the shepherds who came and then the wise men that followed a couple months later. We know of the story of Herod trying to kill all the baby boys to stomp out this new king that had just been born. But what I want us to look at this morning is to, uh, to stop and to consider how this young teenage girl named Mary was able to make it through this whole process where she would be ostracized by her family. She would be kind of stepping out into a world to where nobody would, would want to touch her. She would be radioactive. And how does a, a young teenage girl get through those sequence of events without losing her mind? How was she able to handle the stress and the stigma of being this unwed mother in that day and time? And I think that God gives us some insight of how that he came alongside of her and how that he encouraged her and strengthened her and got her through this. And in Luke chapter 1, we read something that we don't often talk about at Christmas, but I think it's so important. And I think it summarizes what we're trying to be 
as a church. And so let me call your attention back to Luke chapter 1. And I want us to look at this story of, of Mary. She says to the angel, be it done unto me, uh, as, as you have said. And then it says in, in verse, 20, uh, or verse 39, it says, in those days, uh, probably very quickly after she finds out that she's pregnant, Mary uh, arose and went with haste into a hill country. She went to a town in Judah, and there she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, you remember the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. They were well advanced in, in years. They were well beyond the age of having children. Uh, they had not had any children at all. And, and then the Lord appeared to him and said that they were going to conceive a child. They would give birth to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist would be the forerunner of Christ. He would announce and prepare the way and prepare the hearts of the people for the coming Messiah. And so Elizabeth is one of her relatives of Mary, and, and Mary finds out that she's pregnant, and she gets up immediately, and she goes with haste to, uh, to meet Elizabeth. And so she entered the house of Zechariah. She greeted Elizabeth, and it says, When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And then she says this, And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? You hear the humility in in Elizabeth's words? Why am I so special that, that, that the mother of our Lord would come and would visit me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then it leads into Mary's song. Why do you think the Lord sent Mary to see Elizabeth? Was she just trying to get out of town because of all the scandal of her pregnancy? Was she just trying to find a place to hide and a a place to go that she wouldn't be stoned, that she wouldn't be killed? I don't think so, because right after this encounter with Elizabeth, she's going to return back home, and she's going to face those jeers, and she's going to face that, that, that rejection and that, that ostracization that would come from her being pregnant. You can imagine the, the, the thinking of her parents is that we've raised you to stay pure until marriage. We've raised you to, to be chaste. We've raised you to, to be this girl that every guy in town would want, and now you're pregnant. She didn't just run away to be escaped. I believe that Mary was led by the Lord to go and to visit Elizabeth. And, 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 and Mary, guys, is just like us. She would have been a hot mess. She's dealing with this. First of all, the angel appears, and she's scared to death that there's an angel talking to her. And then she's got to get excited about the fact that, that God's going to do something special in her and through her. And, and so the fear turns to excitement, and then all of a sudden the reality sets in that, oh my gosh, how do I explain this to the world? Joseph and I are pledged to be married, but we haven't come together sexually, and, and yet I'm pregnant. And everybody's going to think that, that we've been fooling around. Everybody's going to think that, that we've done something we shouldn't do, and yet I know, and maybe only I know, that this is of God. Why did God send her to Elizabeth. Well, Elizabeth was one who believed in miracles because she was a living miracle herself. The baby inside of her was a miracle for her. Her and her husband, well beyond the years, well beyond the ability to to bear children, and yet God granted her the privilege of of being a mother. And she knew the power of God. She knew the, the miracles of God. But I think there's something more that's here in this story. 
And I think that this is what it's at, where it's at, and I think it's, it's where we're at as a church. I think the reason that God sent Mary to Elizabeth was that Elizabeth was an encourager. She had witnessed and experienced God's miracle in her own life, and now she was going to be an encourager for others. It's the story of, 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 of what grace does to us. It's the story of how that, that God has come and he has rescued us. And, and then when God sends others to us, we are to be those encouragers to them. It's, it's an incredible story of how that she goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's going to encourage her and strengthen her and prepare her for the mission that God has given her. We, we see here that, that none of us come fully equipped for the mission that God's called us to. I'm assuming that because you're here today, there's something inside of you that wants to draw near to God. There's something inside of you that wants to walk with God in a, in a very personal way. But I want to say to you this morning that you were never meant to do that alone. You were never meant to, to walk this path alone. Whether you're called to be the mother of the Son of God or whether you're called to be the mother of a of another child, whether you're called to be a father or a dad or, or just a, a person who's trying to live for the glory of God. You're not meant to do that alone. And we don't come here fully equipped. God puts us in the presence of those who can encourage us. He puts us in the presence of those who can walk beside us, who can celebrate our, our joys and can help us through our griefs, who can walk with us through these unknown moments when God begins to work. Because here's the truth. If you choose to walk with God, there's going to be parts of that journey that are very, very lonely. Parts of that journey where you're going to be very misunderstood by those around you. Parts of that journey where, where you step out in faith to do something that you believe God's calling you to do, and nobody else around you understands that. And you're going to need somebody that will walk with you with compassion through that. As Mary shows up at Elizabeth's house, Elizabeth, led and filled by the Holy Spirit, the, the first words out of her mouth, and she exclaims it with a loud voice, a loud cry. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth knew immediately that what was conceived in Mary was of the Lord. At this point and at this time, maybe nobody else understood that. Dalton and I were talking about that this morning, and I believe that, that probably this trip to Elizabeth's house may have even happened before Joseph had had his dream, and the, and, the, and the angel had talked to Joseph. We're not told exactly how this timetable lays out, but we're told that immediately after Joseph had the dream where the angel says to Joseph, hey, what's conceived inside of Mary is of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. It says immediately Joseph got up, and immediately he took her as his wife. I think maybe this trip to Elizabeth's house, this three-month uh, uh, trip away that she took may have happened before the angel came and explained things to Joseph. We tend to want to think that the angel announced it to Mary and then he went next door and announced it to Joseph and that they both found out at the same time. But I, I don't know. I think there may have been a gap here where, where, where Mary finds out and she's pregnant and she takes off and she goes to Elizabeth's house and, and leaves Joseph wrestling with what to do and how to save face. And that's that period of time where Joseph is wrestling with, maybe I should just set her aside privately. Maybe I should just divorce her quietly and let her go. I don't want to stone her. I don't want to punish her, but I don't know that I want to marry her either. And in that time frame, when everything in Mary's world is kind of being tossed back and forth, she spends this time in Elizabeth's presence, and Elizabeth encourages her. Elizabeth says, man, you are blessed, Mary. And, and, and the fruit of your womb, this, this child that's conceived within you, that is a blessed thing. And she says, and I don't understand why I get to be the one that you come see. 
I don't know why I get to be in your presence, why it's granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. She says, Mary, I need to tell you something else. The moment that I heard your voice and I knew what God was doing, this baby inside of me leapt for joy. That was John the Baptist being in his mother's womb. And, and, and yet John was, was, was a, a child that was going to lead the way for Jesus. And, and all of these elements are coming back together. Mary needed some encouragement. And she needed that encouragement from a spirit-filled person who was speaking for the Lord and speaking to her these words of encouragement that Mary would need to hear as her world was being turned upside down. The... The truth is we need those encouragers as well. If you're going to walk with God, it wasn't meant to be done alone. You need to be surrounded by folks who will encourage you, those who will lift you up in the faith, those who will be walking with God's Spirit, and when God's Spirit prompts them, will speak truth into your life that will bring life and refreshment to you. We need people around us who are interested uh, in not only in their own success but also in, in our success, people who are walking with God. Because sometimes when you walk with God, it can be very, very lonely, and it can be very challenging. And so we need to be a part of a community of encouragers. That's my dream for this church, is that we will be that, that community of encouragers, that when people in our community want to walk with God, they say, you know what, I, I want to walk with Jesus, and I want to be a part of a place that will encourage me in my faith, that won't just judge me for my past, that won't, 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 won't listen to the gossip or listen to the stories and, and, and prejudge who I am, but will take me in and will love me and encourage me and help me to grow in my faith. And, and I think that's part of this Christmas story, is that, that, that Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is that encourager for her. You see, church is not just a, a place that we, that we go, but it's a place that we belong. And that's what God's called us to be, is a, not just a, a, a place that people go on Sundays, but a, a, a people that we belong to and that we do life with. So by following God's plan, Mary, Mary's old community, her old surroundings, all of her old friends and her family were probably going to be keeping their distance. It's interesting that at the birth of Jesus, there's no one there to celebrate with them. There's no family gathered around like there was family gathered around when John the Baptist was born. There's no family there celebrating. There's just them, Mary and Joseph, together. And in that moment, Jesus comes into the world. But Mary knew that she had somebody on her side, and that person's name was Elizabeth. We all need encouragers because nobody in the Christian faith is called to be the Lone Ranger. Nobody's called to do this by themselves. Uh, and, and, and so we need to become those encouragers. And, and for us as believers, to, to be that encourager, we need to be, be filled with God's Spirit so that when God sends somebody our way, we recognize this as an opportunity to encourage and not discourage. We, we speak the words of life when the Holy Spirit prompts us. We, we care more about others than we care about ourselves. And, and Mary's miracle would soon eclipse the miracle of Elizabeth. Think about this. Elizabeth, this mother of old who is now pregnant with a child and is so excited and, and the whole town is abuzz with, with this miracle birth. And all of a sudden what's about to happen is now here is a virgin pledged to be married to a man who is going to give birth and and i know we read in john chapter 3 verse 30 that john the baptist had that famous quote where he says that he must increase and i must decrease you know where john learned that from his mother 
Here's a woman who is celebrating and being celebrated for this miraculous birth that she is, or this miraculous pregnancy that she's enjoying. And yet when Mary shows up, what does Elizabeth say? Who am I that the mother of the Son of God should visit me? Elizabeth is decreasing and Mary is increasing. Just as John the Baptist would decrease and Jesus would increase, he learns that from his mother. He learns that in this moment as, as, as his mother's attitude was that, and, and I'm sure that was passed on to him. And so we, we see that, that, that by Elizabeth encouraging Mary, Elizabeth's uh, prominence and Elizabeth's place in Scripture did not diminish. It didn't diminish her role. In fact, it, it gave meaning to her role. Think about this. Why was Elizabeth pregnant with a son? Because that son was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. Mary comes along and what? She's carrying the Messiah. It's all fitting together. And by Elizabeth encouraging Mary, Elizabeth is helping to fulfill the purpose for her child to be born. And so it's an encouragement, a role of encouragement that we see in this passage. I, I pray that our church will be that as well. As Elizabeth pours into Mary, and Mary stays there with her for three months, Mary writes a song, and she sings this song. And it's a song that shows that Mary's trust and her faith is in the Lord. And I think that comes because God has provided her with this encourager. So look at how Mary's faith and that fear subsides and this faith steps in. And, and here again in, in Luke chapter 1, verse 46, it says, Mary says these words, my soul magnifies the Lord. Notice where she's, where she's focused. Her focus is upon the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So she's, she's making much of the Lord. She's rejoicing in God, her Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She sees herself just as a servant of the Lord. Nobody special. I know there's a lot that's been made of Mary. And some people may even elevate Mary to a place that God never intended for her to be. But she saw herself simply as an humble servant of the Lord. And she says, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And and she's saying that because she knows that she didn't deserve what God was doing in her and the work that God was going to do through her. She was blessed because God takes our nothing and he makes something great. God uses those that we would least expect to be used. And he uses them so that when it's done, everybody knows that it was his doing and not ours. All generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done these great things for me. And holy is his name. And and, and mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. For he has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Just as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her, with Elizabeth, for about three months, and then returned to her home. God sent Mary to Elizabeth because Mary was going to need encouragers. I believe that God brings people into a church family because we all need encouragers. And at Crossroads, we are intended by God 
to be this community and this family of encouragers around us. This Christmas, you will gather with your family, and chances are there will be somebody around those, those, that living room or around that table that will need a word of encouragement from you. Those who deserve it the least usually need it the most. And God has called us to be that family of encouragers. A, a place where people uh, who are wanting to walk with God can come, can be encouraged, can be strengthened, and be prepared so that they can fulfill their mission that God has given to them. I think Elizabeth plays a key role in Mary's life. It had to be a lonely, lonely road for Mary to walk those nine months of pregnancy, and then even after that, to be in exile for a while, and to come back to her hometown finally and eventually, and still be labeled as that girl who got pregnant and blamed it on God. Elizabeth was the one that stepped up I want our church to be that kind of a place, a safe place that people can come. A safe place that people can come and find help and hope and encouragement and, and somebody that will point them to the gospel of Jesus Christ again and again. We, we must care more about others than we care about ourselves, just like Elizabeth did. We, we must seek to speak words which the Holy Spirit has prompted us to speak. We must fulfill our purpose by equipping others to be able to fulfill their purpose in life. So if you're looking for a place that will encourage you, a place where you can start fresh, a place where you can come week after week and not just have a place that you come, but have a people that you belong to, we want to be that church. And we want to be those that will pour into you. We want to be your family, your community. We believe that God still does miracles because God's done miracles in us. He's taken sinners that are messed up. We are, we are all messed up. We are all misfits, if you will. But God came to us and he offered us his, his only son. And we know what grace is because God has let us experience that same grace in, in our lives. And we invite you to come and be a part of that family. This is what Christmas is about, guys, about God sending his son that we could live in community with one another and we could walk with God together. None of us are perfect. None of us have got it all together. But all of us are, are striving to figure out what it is that God's called us to do and to find a family that we can belong to that will walk beside us, will encourage us in our faith, and help us to become the very people that God has called us to be. So this morning, I just want to say to you, Thanks for being here, and thanks for being a part of our service. But I want to invite you to be more than just a part of a service. I want to ask you to be a part of a family, a family that walks together and loves together, that encourages one another, that when God begins to do a work in somebody's life, that others come alongside of them and encourage them in that walk and help them to find that place that God has created them to fill. And we want to be that kind of a family for each of you. I hope that if you're not a part of the Crossroads family already, that you'll consider being a part of that because it's so important to us that we get to walk with you through life and help you. And then you help us as we all strive to walk with the Lord together. We're going to spend some time at the end of the service uh, observing the Lord's Supper together. And I've asked Dalton, if he would, to come and to lead us through the Lord's Supper today. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, we want you to participate in this with us. He's going to come after I pray and, uh, and lead us through this, this observance, this memorial 
of what Christ came and did for each of us. So let's pray together and let's prepare our hearts as God leads us to partake of the Lord's Supper together.